0: For decades, songs have been written about it. It is the foundation of the church, our faith, and our lives. It is the enemy against evil. And it's love. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the jar. My name is Chris, and we're so glad you chose to hang out with us today. I'd like to uh, begin today by wishing all of our fathers a happy Father's Day, all of our dads, all of our granddads, all of our adoptive dads, all of our foster dads, all of our soon-to-be dads. Uh just want to say you guys are great, you're awesome. We're so glad uh that you invest in kids, and I hope you have a really special day. Um, I'd like to begin today by talking about uh the first person that I genuinely fell in love with. Um, Her name was Brenda Biddle, and we met for the first time at church camp. Now, I realized that this was true love. This was God-ordained love. I realized that she was the only girl for me, and that we would spend the rest of our life together from fifth grade all the way to the grave. And uh, most of all, she completed me, okay? Like, she completed me. And uh, on the very last night of camp, uh, I realized that this was going to work out so well because she agreed that we should leave the campfire and go off to a little wooded area away from the crowd and kiss. And I will never forget that kiss. It's not so much because it was such an amazing kiss, or it was a wonderful kiss, but Brenda had eaten watermelon that night at the campground, and I hate watermelon. And when our lips touched, the only thing I thought was, ugh, watermelon. But I loved sweet Brenda. Brenda. Now, that was my first experience ever to really feel a sense of like I'm falling in love. And uh, that taught me a lot about that four-letter word, L-O-V-E. But since that time, what I've learned is that there's a whole, mu- there's a whole lot more to that word than just emotion and watermelon kisses. That, in fact, I am convinced... That that one single word is the foundation of our lives. It's the purpose of our lives. It is the exist. It's why we exist. It's why we have our being. And again, what is the word that we're talking about today? Yeah, love. For all of you that are on the stream right now, uh, what's the word? Help them out in the auditorium. It's what? Yeah. Love. Uh, life is about love. Everything in life comes down to love. And it's not rocket science. It's not like God kind of came down one day and was saying, well, I know you have such tiny little brains and narrow attention spans that I'm just going to give you one word to answer more questions than you can imagine. What makes a great church? What does the devil hate? What do you look for in a mate? What do you hope for in a date? What does a child await? What is impossible to overrate? What drives people to procreate? What is humanity's ultimate fate? It's love, 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 love. Over and over and over throughout the Bible, the answer is Love. Life is about love. The church is about love. Our existence is love. And today, we're beginning a brand new series called All You Need Is Love. And it's not just a Beatles song, but it actually is this experience that you and I have that that is the essence of who we are. It is the purpose of are being And throughout the next five weeks, what I really want to do is challenge you to make your primary aim to increase your ability to love. The most influential word that there is found in Scripture is this word. And there's one particular passage that we're going to look at throughout these five weeks. And it's found in 1 Corinthians 13. And the guy who wrote this was a guy by the name of Paul, who was considered one of Jesus's closest friends. And he initially penned these words uh, to a church. So it wasn't to a person, but to a group of people who lived in Corinth in present day Greece. And these are amazing words that we find in this chapter. Now, before we look at chapter 13, I want to say a word about the context or about kind of the background of this particular chapter. Because it's immensely important to what you think about this word and then also how you practice it. You know, uh, 1 Corinthians 13 is probably uh, the one chapter that is read at more weddings than any other chapter because it is the love chapter. But instead of thinking of a wedding, what I want you to think about is that he's writing this to a Christian community and they are a mess. I mean, there is tons of conflict that's going on in this church that we find in chapter 12. And people are showing off, and they're prideful, and they're arrogant. And there is this unresolved conflict that's going on in the church, and there's quarreling and backstabbing. And again, folks, all of this is happening in the church. And then chapter 14 comes. And it becomes even more of a quarreling, difficult kind of community that's taking place. And in between 12 and 14 is chapter 13, which is this love chapter. Now, uh, you might be asking, well, why did Paul put that in there? Well, I don't think it's because he thought to himself, I need a wedding chapter. Like, in all of the Bible, we need a wedding chapter, so I'll write about uh, love a whole lot, and we'll kind of wedge that in between the conflict that we're going through. That wasn't it. Because the truth is, folks, this isn't a wedding passage. Rather, Paul writes this uh, particular chapter to Messy, difficult people who are surrounded by messy, difficult people. And these difficult people are such a mess that now they've created a difficult, chaotic, unpleasant church. I mean, these people, folks, they were cray-cray. I mean, they were totally crazy, totally off the charts. And then Paul writes these words. He says this, and yet I will show the most excellent way, the most excellent way. If I speak in human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body, but I do not have love, I am nothing. Now, I want you to think about for just a moment, what do these three guys that come that'll come on the screen? What do they have in common? Okay. if you don't know who these three guys are, they are the three greatest Jeopardy champions ever. They've won more money, and they've won more uh, shows than anybody else. Uh, those individuals are Ken Jennings, Brad Rutter, and James Hallhouse. And these guys are like super wicked smart. Just like some of the dads who are here today. Well, maybe just one or two of you, okay? Okay. Um, But if you're if you're if you're like me and you're not like super wicked jeopardy smart, I've got some good news for you today. And it's this. Paul says this. You could be the smartest guy in the world. You can win everything. You can have it all. But if you don't have love, you gain nothing. In other words, I can have love do everything, know everything, win everything, but without love, without love, it is nothing. In other words, everything minus love is nothing. And that's your first equation, your first kind of write in your, in your program, or if you're using our jar app, uh, you can use that as well. But the first equation that I want to give to you this morning is this. Everything minus love. Equals nothing. Everything minus love equals nothing. Now, several years ago, I was invited by a group of guys to uh, be a part of a recreational basketball league. And uh, I love basketball, so I joined very quickly. I was uh, in that, and I met a guy by the name of Dave. And our first couple of practices we're at uh, an elementary school, and then after the second practice, Dave said, "Hey guys, why don't you just come to my house and we'll play there?" And I thought it was kind of weird, and I thought, "Oh, I bet he has like a pole barn, and uh, you know maybe we're going to play in that." So I got some, you know, kind of grimy sweats and uh, my old uh, high-top basketball shoes, and we went uh, to. Uh, his house. Well, when we got there, not only did he have this gigantic house of the biggest house I've ever seen, but he actually had his own gymnasium. He had his own gym and in the gym, he was an IU grad. And so he had a floor made just like assembly hall with the IU logo right in the middle of it as, as well. And when I walked in there, I was like, ah, you know, like this is heaven. And uh, then on the second floor, he had this great big sports lounge, and he had pool tables, and he had video games, and uh, he had uh, this big screen TV. And then he had a jacuzzi that after we played, we all could go up there and just like chill and watch basketball. And like I said, you know, I was in heaven looking at all this. Well, over the course of the season, I learned that uh, Dave had a lot of possessions but what I also found out is that he had gone through four marriages and he was dating somebody that was not he wasn't married to and that his three boys had absolutely nothing to do with him. You see, folks, he, he had gained the whole world materially and he had everything he wanted and even more, but he was minus love. And because... He was minus love. The reality is he had nothing. Now, there's nothing wrong with having things. Things are good. Things are fun. Things are good to give away to other people. But when you have everything and you don't have love, the reality is you have nothing. And dads, this is what I just want to say to you today, if you're a dad, or a soon-to-be dad. You can provide for your kids every material thing that they could ever want and imagine in this world. But if you don't have love, one day it will roll back up to you, and you'll realize, I worked so much, I did so much, but now they're out of the house And what I gained at the end was nothing. Now, let me give you another equation. This equation goes like this. It's love plus nothing equals everything. Love plus absolutely nothing equals everything. Now, as I shared before, uh, I was raised a PK, a preacher's kid. Uh, That's the reason why Brenda and I went over and kissed and we had watermelon together, okay? Um, Because I'm a PK, I'm a preacher's kid. Well, folks, during my childhood as a PK, uh, we were very, very poor. Uh, We were right on the poverty line, but my dad was too proud for us to get food stamps or to have free lunch at school. And so we had this gigantic garden that everyone worked together in out of love. There was no love in that garden, I can tell you. We hated the garden. I hate gardens today. My wife will say, do you want to just do a tomato plant? No! I want nothing to do with that. And uh, the truth is, my dad, in the first church that he pastored, he wasn't able to provide anything for us materially. But the one thing that he provided in our home was boatloads of love. Love was the aim of our home. Now, did my dad love perfectly? No. Were we a perfect family? Absolutely not. Within those years, this is what I remember. My mom battled depression. My sister battled alcoholism. My brother battled drug abuse. And I battled some mental health challenges myself. And through all of that stuff that we were going through, my dad did his best that he couldn't provide everything materially, but he would try to provide love, even though he couldn't give us anything. You know, now as an adult, as a father, as I look back, I realize more and more that the greatest fathers are not those who provide their kids with everything. But it's those individuals who are not afraid to show and say and to give love to their kids. Because ultimately it's true, folks, love plus even if you have nothing, if you have nothing materially, the reality is you have everything. And so over the next five weeks, what I really want us to do and what I'm challenging all of you to do is to make your primary aim of each day of your life, just in these next five weeks, is to make it about love. And the way I would encourage you to do that is to wake up each morning and simply ask God this question. God, how can I become a more loving person? Just each morning when you wake up, God How can I become a more loving person? And that's it. Each day over the next five weeks, when you get ready to get out of bed, you simply ask God that question. God, how today can I become a more loving person and then do what he tells you to do? Now, there's a person in the Bible uh, outside of Jesus who talked about love a lot. Jesus talked about it so much. But there's someone uh, who kind of talked it. Talked about it in a second uh, most major way. And his name was John. He actually wrote four books in the New Testament. And all four of them, he only had one theme. And the theme was love. And his foundational discovery was this. We love because God first loved us. We love because he first loved us. Now, I want to give you a couple of practical steps surrounding love that every single one of us can live out. And the first one is this, that what I want to encourage you to do in this step of love is to receive God's love. That every day when you wake up that you say, God, I want to receive your love. You know, I often wonder as Jesus was walking with his disciples, and sometimes we don't necessarily hear about those walks, but I wonder how many times he would just be walking with them and he'd look at them and say, you know what, guys, I love you. Like, for no other reason, I just love you. I often wonder how many times Jesus said to his friend John, that he looked at John and he said, John, I love you. Uh, John, you're one of my best friends. I love you. John, you're a great fisherman. I love you. I have a feeling that when you were around Jesus, he was just constantly reminding you, no matter what you're going through, I want you to know that I love you. And then sometimes I kind of wonder to myself, how did John take that? How did he respond? Were there ever times when he would say, John, I love you, and he kind of looked away? Were there times that he said, I love you, and he kind of sheepishly put his head down? Were there ever times that he got embarrassed? Were there ever times he's like, I'm not, not worthy of that, Jesus. Remember the bonehead thing I did today? And it's a very strange thing that sometimes, even for us, it's very difficult for us to just sit and receive God's love. It's difficult for us to just sit and receive love. When my uh, oldest daughter, Jordan, was a toddler uh, on the first day that she got her big girl bed, she was so excited and uh, we put it together and we were enjoying that moment so much. And we finally got her put to put down and she was so excited and and uh, I've. Went in and checked on her later that night. And I looked down at her. And, uh, you know, it was one of those moments where your kid's just sleeping. And I'm just like, oh, what a miracle. I just love this little girl so much. And uh, there was so much tenderness that I had in my heart for her. And it was like I was just giving that. And I started thinking to myself, I can never imagine that I would ever be mad at her. And then she woke up the next morning and I could imagine, you know, uh, she wasn't as excited about the toddler bed as I thought she would be. But you know what I'll never forget on that night is as I was looking down at her, thinking about such a miracle that God had given to me in this little girl. And that somehow God chose me to be her only dad. And this thought came to me. That's the way God looks down on us every single night we go to bed. He looks down upon us. And what I was experiencing was just an echo of the one who has that experience watching over us all the day going, I love them. I love them. You see, the father of the universe looks down on everyone in this section and everyone here and everyone here and everyone up in the balcony and everyone on the stream. And he says, receive my love. Yeah, but God, this I said this or I did this or it's the first time I'm back in church or I don't feel very good or, you know, I no, 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 no. Just receive my love. Just receive my love. My love, because you are my child. So, the first step is in this love adventure is to receive God's love. And this, the second one is this make it your aim to love others. Aim to actually say, I'm going to love others. You know, it's really simple to do this, folks. You don't have to have an education, uh, you don't have to have a big resume. You don't have to have money. You don't have to have a title. Folks, love is available to you and you can love. So here's a little assignment that I want to give to you uh, this week. So the first one is you wake up each morning. God, how can I become a more loving person? And then the second thing I want to encourage you to do is something that I've been trying over the last three weeks. And uh, each day I get up and uh, I have this journal with me. And I'll write in my journal and you could write on a little sheet of paper. You can put it on your phone if you want to, however you do it. But the question that I want you to ask yourself is what is one positive characteristic I see in myself that I love? And then you write that down of, you know, what is that that God loves in me? And you write it down. And then the second thing that I want to encourage you to do is to think of one positive characteristic that you could actually write down about another person. And then you walk through your day and as you look at them, you, you watch and you listen and you try to engage with what they're really going through. And it could be anything. It could be, you know what, I love their helpful attitude. I love their sense of humor. I love how smart they are. I love just the way that they work so hard. It could be anything. And then when you're around them, that you actually watch for opportunities to, to recognize that attribute and then to let them know how much you value it, how much you appreciate it. You just ask God for a sense of gratitude and admiration For that particular person. So the first day that I did this, I got my journal out that morning and I was thinking of my youngest daughter, Shiloh. And so I wrote down that I appreciated her sense of humor. And so uh, I after I did that, I got in the car and I took her to swim lessons, uh, to swim practice. And as we were going, one of the things I like to do with Shiloh, she gets uh, into a seatbelt and she really can't move so I can tickle her. Now, I'm not saying it's the best driving to do this, OK, but uh, I just like to do that. And so I'm driving and all of a sudden we get a little and I start tickling. She's like, "Dad, nah, quit, you know, and she's laughing and she can't hardly, you know, get away from it. And we were done with the tickling fest. She couldn't get me because she couldn't get out. And then after we were kind of done, she put on the radio her favorite all time singer, Michael Jackson. And she's listening to MJ. She's got records of him. She's just like all about him. And she's like dancing. She's laughing. She's doing all this stuff. And it just brought joy to me. And it brought so much laughter to me that when she got ready to get out of the car to go to swim lessons, I said, hey, shy. before you leave, I just want you to know I love the way that you make me laugh and the way that you make so many other people laugh. And then she turned to me and she said this. I'm still going to get you back for tickling me, Dad. (laughs) But when she got out of her seatbelt, she got out and she walked out. And you could just see this glow in her face as she went on because someone had deposited just a small little bit of love. Now, Dad, I didn't do anything that was all that amazing. All I was trying to do was think of one attribute that I loved about my daughter and I shared it with her. And dads, you can do this. You can do this. You can start this today. And for some of you who have adult children, you're like, I don't think they would have. No, they would love it if you did that. Pick up the phone today. This is one thing I appreciate. If you have a strained relationship, maybe with one of your kids, just send a text. But let them know on this day that they're recognizing you, that you're like, I value this in you. And you know, later that day, one of the things that I found was as I walked through my day, I saw one of our staff people and I just kind of went up to him. I said, you know what? You are so creative. It's so great to have you on our staff. And all of a sudden you saw this person's shoulders kind of go back and they're like, yeah. And I walked through my day and I was actually more alive. Because when we're depositing love in other people, we worry less. We don't get as preoccupied with our problems as we walk through our lives. And we're more alive because when people enjoy loving other people, when we enjoy loving other people, we're actually happier people to be around. And so I'd like to close today by simply giving you kind of two things I want you to imagine about two different people. Uh, They could be dads, maybe not. Uh, Let's imagine there's one person who has this outrageous ability to give and receive love to other people. And he is a person who is regularly uh, just kind of caring for people, welcoming people. And he is a person that genuinely listens to other people. Like when you're around him, he just really thinks only about you. And when he goes to work, he's the kind of person that people bring problems to or they uh, ask for help or they talk about their frustrations. And when he's at home, he is the real deal. When he's wrong, he doesn't get defensive. He just apologizes and asks for forgiveness. And then he moves on when he gets hurt. He doesn't hold a grudge. And he kind of has this knack for just serving and helping people. He has to confront people sometimes, but when he does, he does it honestly. And he always continues to value the relationship. But other than all of that, there wasn't really too much of this guy's life. I mean, he never had much money. He never kind of lived in a big home. He just has a little place. He had a short little resume. He wasn't famous at all. He just had a deep, abiding, life-changing, joy-producing, other-centered, God-rooted, life-giving, hope-giving love that he gave to everyone that he met. So that's one person. Now, let's say that the other person is a person who is known for being unloving. He's just like the biggest jerk Maybe in the workplace. And he's only thinking about himself most of the time. And his wives become exes. His kids are bitter towards him. His friends feel like they're betrayed a lot. And his colleagues often feel like he doesn't care at all. He's selfish. He's arrogant. He's isolated. He's hidden, materialistic, egocentric, narcissistic, But other than that, this guy had a great life. I mean, outside from utterly flunking at life, he was brilliant on all the other stuff. Now, I just want to ask you, if you're going to choose a relationship with one of those two people, who will you choose? And Jesus said, choose love. Choose love. Folks, this is the whole reason why you're here today. This is the reason why you're on this stream right now. It's not because of this beautiful auditorium. It's not because of the programs that we provide. It's not because of the music that you get to listen to. It's not because of the teaching. It's all because of this one word. That's why the church exists. To love God and love people. People. And I was thinking today that for some of you dads, what you might need is just kind of a quote that you could go through the rest of your day. And I think this is the core of what it means, and it's this No one who succeeds at love fails at life. And no one who fails at love succeeds at life. And some of you who are dads right now, I'd ask you just take out your your camera if you want, take a picture of it, write it down. For those of you on the stream, take a screenshot. But no one, whoever succeeds at love, fails at life. But no one whoever fails at life or fails at love succeeds at life. So I want to encourage you to go after it every day this week. How can you become more loving? And as we go through this series, I know summer's coming and there's vacation. Maybe you only came because dad kind of roped you into it. But I want to encourage wherever you're at, that you would actually watch it on the stream if you had to. But try to be here. These next four weeks, because we are going to amp up our ability to love and you'll get better and your family will get better and the church will get better and the world will get better because we're going to learn that all you really need is love. Because there's nothing that matters more, folks, than being able to love. So this is how we're going to close today. I was thinking about it. Some of you are probably sitting by people that you love. And if there's somebody that's sitting by themselves and they're okay with it, that you might just put your hand on their shoulder to the person beside you where you're, wherever you're at if they feel comfortable. And as I pray that they would not just say, oh, wow, as we pray, God loves me. But you feel a sense that someone else around you loves you as well, that you're not going through this life alone. So let's pray. God, I pray right now for each person in this room. All of us go through some kind of brokenness or hurt. Some of us have gone through some really tough stuff this week. And I pray, God, for people who desperately want to feel loved, but who really feel just all alone. I pray for people who want to give love, God, but they feel a sense of rejection. Loving Father, I pray right now that through your love, you would come and you would allow us such a powerful love that nobody would walk out of this auditorium today or turn off their device without knowing fully that they are loved by you. God, would you grow us as a church To know how to love our community into a relationship with you. Heavenly Father, I pray right now for each dad that's here. Help them, God, to make love their aim in their house. And to be the first one to reach out and to love their kids. Even sometimes when their kids may be unlovable. Now, I realize that some of you might be sitting there or you're on the stream and you're thinking to yourself, I've never received God's love or I've drifted away from God for a long time. But today there's something within the message or the music or something that's like, man, I need to turn this around. And maybe you're like, well, I just don't think I'm worthy. I've walked away. I've ignored. I've pushed aside. And yet. God comes to you today and says, no, 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 no. I accept you. I receive you. I'll love you. Because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, I will take you in. You're my child. I never walk away from you. Even when you walk away from me, I don't walk away. And so right now, if you're ready to say, I need that in my life, I need his love. I need his forgiveness. I need his grace. I need a new beginning I need a second chance. I need His love. Then I'm going to invite you to simply pray a prayer after me. But don't worry, you won't pray it by yourself. But we'll pray it together in unity. Because when we love one another, we don't do those words in a vacuum. We do it together in community. And so I invite you to simply repeat this prayer. This prayer that... For some of you, it may be your first time praying it, but God's love is there to receive you right now. And I invite you to just pray this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Jesus, forgive me. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.